Welcome to Mintcast, podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. Uh, I'm Bill. Running for position four, I'm Joe. I'm just Moss. Norbert couldn't be here today, or at least he hasn't showed up yet. This is episode 385.5, recorded on Sunday the 17th of April 2022. In our innards section, we discuss Linux Mint Debian Edition 5 LC. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. This week, we are talking about our experiences with LMDE5, codenamed Elsie. Uh, first up, we got Moss. Well, that's good, because that means we're almost done with the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> Well, I downloaded and installed LC before it got announced, but after it came out of beta, so I was right on top of it. I got it installed and set up. I rebooted. It booted to an initramfs prompt. Rebooting, I noticed that during the boot process, the system identified several drives in RAID 6 configuration. On my T540P, which only has two drives and no RAID. I could not figure out what to do, so I reinstalled. Same thing. Did it again. Same thing. Finally, someone in the Mint forum pointed me to a page which said I needed to run FSCK. I ran it with a few different switches based on what was in the file he sent me. Some things worked, others didn't, but I, when I rebooted it all seemed fine. In fact, on nearly all boots it works, but I'm still getting the random init RAMFS boot. I run Mint for its stability and consistency. LMDE isn't there yet on the booting end. For information on running FSCK, FSCK, check this file in the show notes that Londoner got me. It's far better than the one the guys in the Mint forum gave me. I need to go back over my installation using the information from this file, and I haven't done that yet. When it works, it still doesn't feel quite as free and open as in beer as Ubuntu, but I'm pretty sure I could use it if I had to, but never as my only boot. I wish it was available with Mate so I could tell for sure. There are all kinds of bells and whistles in Cinnamon which don't help me in any way, sounds, animations, etc., and I'm having to find out where to turn them off or modify them to my satisfaction. I'm sure for some of you Cinnamon users, they're exactly why you're using Cinnamon, but for a Mate user like me, they're exactly why I'm not using Cinnamon. That's what I had. What about you, Norbert? What do you mean by not being as free and open as in beer, as Ubuntu? It just doesn't feel right. It feels like I have to bang my head against some walls that sh that shouldn't even be there. Okay. Uh, that I okay, don't so, need to. So not in, not in money, but in time invested. You mean? In time and in effort, yeah. Well, um, for me, this is interesting because I haven't really used either Mint or Cinnamon long term before. So since this is my first time at giving Cinnamon a I wouldn't say I gave it more time than I, than I, uh, as much time as I, as I wanted, but, uh, I'll describe my experiences with it and I compare it to XSE, which I use. Uh, second, I, since I've used Debian itself extensively, although not Mint or MD, I'll, I'd also like to compare it to Debian itself. And finally, since I've heard that the user experience is supposed to be really close to Mint itself, uh, this is also a good uh, opportunity to, to for me to give my opinion on the Mint experience 
as a whole. So first I want to give props to the new installer, which I'm not sure is this an installer specifically uh, developed by the main team because it doesn't look like the new Ubuntu installer. I've never seen it before. Okay, it, it's really nice. There are some really nice uh, small details in there. Uh, for uh, first, it uses gpartit if you want to manually uh, edit your partitions, which I really like because, uh, for example, the ubiquity installer or even Calamaris, if you just want to do an automated install, it's great. But if you want to uh, go into manual partitioning, the built-in partitioner tools in those installers are, aren't particularly great. At least, uh, I mean, at least, at least for me. But, uh, PopOS, the PopOS installer, for example, just throws you into gpartit if you want to modify the partitions. And I think that's, that's, uh, and I think that's a really good way to do it because, uh, I've heard people criticize this by saying that gpartit isn't very user friendly, but by default, if you just want to create partitions or stuff like that, it, it, uh, I think that the gpartit UI is, is straightforward. And if you want to do some more complicated stuff, it also gives you opportunity for that. So I really like how it integrates uh, gpartit in the, into the installer. And it also gives you the option to select a partition. If you have multiple EFI partitions, to which one you want to install grab to, if you even want to, because you can deselect grab if you don't want to install the bootloader altogether. Previously, if I wanted to install anything Ubuntu-based without grab, you have to run ubiquity dash b which uh, from the terminal which will uh, result in an installation not including grub but now if this uh, installer i hope something like this will find its way into ubuntu and fedora and other stuff because fedora is seems to be really stubborn when it comes to removing grub even if i try to i, I, I just for the fun of it i tried to remove grub from fedora to see if i could do it it says it's a protected package but even if i try to uninstall it with specifying that, no, yes, I want to uninstall the protected packages, it still didn't let me. So interesting. Overall, I really like this installation experience compared to both... Uh, Norbert? Yes? I, I've never heard about the tick B, but I've always had a slash uh, no bootloader. You know, ubiquity slash no bootloader. Can you specify uh, flags with slashes in the terminal? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I don't mean I, I've done it many times on Ubuntu. I just haven't used. I don't Ubuntu mean for ubiquity dash b, ubiquity space dash b. So it's tech b. The, yeah, it's the, yeah. yeah flag. And if you do that, it will it, it will still require you to specify the FI partition, but it won't put its grub onto yeah. there. It might be a tech no bootloader, but I remember it being a slash, and I could be wrong because I am frequently. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Even yeah, because if you put a sure. slash, it's going to think you're talking about a directory. Yeah, so it's probably it's probably a dash dash no bootloader. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't even know about the proper long one, so I guess it's it's the same thing but shorter. So once I've installed it, it really did feel like Mint because I haven't really used Mint, but I did try Mint uh, multiple times. And uh, well, first of all, the Cinnamon desktop. It's very interesting to me because I've been using XFCE and GNOME. I've also recently tried Mate and now Cinnamon. For me, um, among all the GTK-based desktops, Cinnamon feels like the most Plasma-ish, I guess I, I could put it. Because Plasma and Plasma and Cinnamon are... Well, Cinnamon doesn't really have as many options for customization, but Cinnamon is... Uh, well, I would say it's the most Windows-like user experience. I don't mean it in any in either a good or a bad way, because... It's subjective whether the Windows experience is something that's for you or not. 
But I, for example, the settings menu is really similar to XFC, which I, I like. Although in XFC, I rarely go into the settings uh, manager because you can just search for, because each sub item of the settings uh, manager, you can just search for uh, because they appear as different applications. So, and I guess that's how I prefer to, because I don't have to find stuff. I, I can just type and, and open what I want, the settings where I, which I want. Uh, I really like the cinnamon panel. On the cinnamon panel, you can, you have a center area, so you can center align various uh, modules, not to the center of the free space, but to the center of the screen itself, which is something that you can do on Budgie, for example. You can do it on GNOME with dash to panel, but it's something that is lacking in XFC. And the only way I can properly align uh, my open app icons, I like to have the menu button on the left and the system chair on the right, and but have the open window buttons in the center. It's I guess it's similar to how Windows 11 does it, but Windows 11 also puts the the search and the window and the the start button in the middle with the other buttons, and I sort of like to keep it separate. So on XFC, I have to set three different panels on to the left, middle, and the right side of the screen, and just uh, put my icons in the center one. So it's it's not very it's not a clean solution, but I really appreciate how Cinnamon can do that. Also, one interesting feature in Cinnamon that I didn't know before it existed is the hot corners. So you can set different actions for each of the four corners. Even uh, a gnome-like, uh, well, I should say not gnome-like, but uh, if you press Alt-Tab on Windows or any other desktop, I think you can have this uh, application selector. So I tried that. Uh, I tried this in a VM, so I in VirtualBox, and somehow I didn't really manage to get uh, ex- uh, graphical acceleration working. So I I missed out missed out on the animations. But overall, uh, I think Cinnamon is a much more uh, featureful desktop that I previously thought. And uh, I also want to sh- give a shout out to the Nemo file manager. Uh, I've used it before, even not on Cinnamon, because I was looking for something that would work on my touch, on with a touch screen. Because the only file manager that I found works well with on a touch screen is uh, Nautilus. I assume because it's, uh, it has proper full Wayland uh, support. But for example, on, X- on XFC's uh, tuner, I can select items, but I can't use double-click to open them on a touchscreen. Uh, on Nemo, it works, but I had weird experiences with uh, selecting, uh, just dragging and selecting multiple items. So for now, even if I'm using something like Sway, so Window Manager on Wayland on my laptop, I still stick to Nautilus because it doesn't have a lot of features, but if I just want to navigate a window the fire system on a touch screen, it's still the one that I found to be the best. Nonetheless, I really like Cinnamon, how it's uh, it's way more uh, resourceful. It has made way more features than Nautilus. It really reminds me uh, of Tuner. And if I don't have to care about uh, touch support, I could see myself using it uh, on the desktop. I might in the future. Well, as far as uh, comparing LMD to Debian goes, I'm, I don't really know what to say because on the surface it, it, it really doesn't feel like Debian because if you don't have to get into the terminal and to mess with your system, it does, it really doesn't feel any different from Mint itself, from my, from my brief experience with both. And, uh, what I really like about Mint itself is, uh, the Flatpak integration 
and the FlatHub integration in the software center. Software centers are one of those things that each desktop and each distro seems to have their own implementation. But, uh, well, at least I really like, or at least I really appreciate distros that have FlatHub enabled by default. Because with both Debian and uh, Ubuntu RTS-based distros, it solved the major issue of uh, eventually having out to outdated software. But I haven't really tested how well Flatpak apps integrate into the desktop. Because uh, I know that so far my best experience with the uh, Flatpak integration with via portals and stuff has been on Fedora, which is I just I just stuck with Fedora. But uh, even though I like Cinnamon in the same way that like like Mate, I still haven't really found anything that I like more than XFC. I guess I probably said this before, but XFC feels like the most window manager like desktop environment. If I want, if, if that's even the right, the right way to put it, because with a window manager, so XFC feels like if someone spent time configuring a window manager identity features, uh, but you don't have to configure it pre-configured. So I really wanted to try and see, uh, LMDE. Uh, with XFCE, but I didn't really want to add XFCE on top of it because that would have defeated the point of trying it as it is. But uh, I would have really liked it if there was an XFCE and a multi version of it. But uh, I think more and more that whenever Mint 21 comes out, I will try their XFCE version. Even if I don't end up uh, finding another desktop environment that I like, I would like to see how their experiment, exper- how their uh, implementation of XFCE is. So yeah, I haven't had as much time to try LMD5 as I wanted to, but uh, if someone wanted to... Uh, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting period because in a few months we will have Linux Mint 21. And if there was someone who wanted me to install Linux for them, I would probably either choose Mint or Zorin. And when it comes to Mint, whenever Mint 21 comes out, the packages will be more up-to-date. Than with the uh, with the Debian base, so I like it as a proof of concept, but I'm not sure if uh, for the average user it would be worth uh, going with LMD5 instead of Mint proper, especially if they don't really understand what's going on under the hood. And for those people who do, well, it really comes down to whether they prefer Debian or, or Ubuntu because most of the stuff is pretty much the same. And now that both versions will have the uh, the option of using the graphical upgrade tool to upgrade to the new version. Uh, I don't really... Th- so I, I think yeah, we've covered how Mint didn't really have a proper way, a uh, proper upgrade path from major version to major version. But if that is going to be consistently solved between the two versions, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure where to put Debian, uh, Linux Mint Debian edition, to be honest. I prefer Debian to Ubuntu. So if I wanted to switch to Mint, and if the Debian edition had an XFC version, I would probably choose that. Uh, Bill? Well, a couple of things that you mentioned, um, Flatpak. I, I installed a couple of Flatpaks on it. Uh, well, let me preface by saying that I installed it on a virtual machine, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I, I did install some Flatpaks, and everything ran pretty much the same as it would on a regular um installation of mint um you have all of the i mean if you if you take into account that you've got access to flat packs right out of the box you know software availability is 
about, I mean, most people will not notice any difference between it and the Ubuntu version. In fact, um, I think unless you get in and try to look to install an upgraded kernel or uh, try to install drivers through the GUI, I, I dare say, unless you know a lot about Mint, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between this and the uh, regular flagship Cinnamon edition. That being said, if you if you do install it and you do have those uh, challenges where you need some a driver installed, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to look for instructions on how to do it from Debian, which is going to throw a lot of people into a uh, sadness loop right off the get-go. Um, not to say that these things aren't available, and it's not to say that they're not going to be incorporated into LMDE from the get-go. I've always felt that this was a hedge that the Mint team have been, they've been keeping this thing alive. I mean, people use it, and they and they depend on it and that, and they take it seriously. But I've always felt like this has been a hedge that they've got something, they've got a hot swap in place, ready to go if Ubuntu, if Canonical just takes Ubuntu completely off the rails, Mint can say, ha ha, we're good, and just keep right on going, you know, because it does, I mean, from what I could tell, the experience was just fine. I did a couple of crazy things with it just to have something to talk about like uh you were talking about xfce well i did try to install that and uh swap cinnamon out with it and um i'm sure there's like a few things you could install to make it work a little bit better but you don't just you don't just install xfce restart it and get an experience similar to the xfce edition of uh linux mint it it comes up with all the stock XFCE stuff, basically. And then you can change it back to the Mint X theme, but there's still a lot of things that have to be done to make it work that they don't, they don't ship a, uh, a stock Linux Mint XFCE experience in one meta package, or at least I didn't, I didn't find it anywhere. It's not in the, it's not in the repo that's built in, but. It could be out there. I just didn't do enough research into it. The other thing I tried, um, I wanted to s- try and see what would happen if I installed it and switched the repos from Bullseye to Sid. I wanted to see how it would react to that and see if, it, if I could achieve some semblance of a rolling distribution a rolling distrib- a rolling Linux mint, so to speak, because I think that would be the one cool thing that I could do with this that would be useful to me. And eh, no, what you end up with is some strange hybrid cinnamon mate experience. It was weird. It was a cinnamon panel with the mate menu, and a lot of accelerations didn't work. And I'll get to that too in a minute. Um, didn't Josh uh, Hawk? Did, uh, so yeah, what I did was I I installed it and ran all the updates, got it working. It was working fine, no problem. Um, and then I went into the uh, slash Etsy slash apt. Uh, you got to go another directory deep to get at the uh, sources list in LMDE. You got to go to sources.list.d, and then the sources list is in that directory. 
and then you can change it from bullseye to Sid, and then sudo apt update, and it had over 1,200 updates <laughs> that was available at that point. So I went ahead and pulled the trigger and did it, and then did the uh, did the reboot, and that's when I was that's when I was presented with this uh, terrible amalgamation of uh, cinnamon and mate. I probably could have worked out how to get it all back working again, but I just, I didn't want to put the time into, um, I don't know if he, yes, yes. Josh said that when he updated the Sid, he wound up with Mate and he hated Mate. Well, yeah, he just killed it and started, did something else. And I, and I looked into it a little further. It wasn't actually Mate. I mean, if you, yeah, you are given the Mate menu and that is weird because why is that even there? But, uh, you go looking at all the other stuff on the panel, and it is actually the cinnamon panel. It just gives you the mate menu for some reason. It's so somehow the mate menu or the mint menu, I should say, that mint puts into their mate edition comes up when you when you do that transition. But yet the entire rest of the panel and all of the other applets and the entire rest of the desktop experience was cinnamon. So. If anybody's got an explanation to that, great, but I don't. Um, Maybe it's... Uh, yeah. Something, because I think it's that... So, um... Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Something went crazy there. Uh, with my microphone, can you hear me? Yeah. Is it? Can you hear me fine? Yeah. Oh, I will have... You're good. Have to leave it, it blew up for a second, okay. but after that, uh, My fine. microphone stopped working, so I unplugged and replugged it. By by some miracle, Odyssey picked it up and continued recording with it. But for that few seconds, it went up with Odyssey as well. So uh, maybe it's uh, something got mixed up with the dependencies because the base uh, repository was switched from Bullseye to Seed. But the overlaid Mint repo is still thinking that you're running a Bullseye base. So maybe if somehow it wasn't able to resolve dependencies and switched out the package, the cinema menu with the, with the Mate menu. Yeah, and I saw those repositories in the list, and I was hoping, I was hoping that the only thing that was in those repositories was just some of the cinnamon stuff, you know, and some of the the Mint tools that is really only in Mint. Um, but for whatever reason, you ended up with that. It's which is fine. Uh, I do remember after I did that, I did remember that Josh had a similar experience um, talking on uh, Distro Hopper's Digest. Apparently, Moss is trying to chase a mouse. Uh, well, anyway, uh, the other thing. Sorry, had a thigh cramp. Oh, it was really bugging me. How? I hope you got it worked out there. I think so. Um, but so, yeah, I just I didn't dig into it any deeper. I went ahead and just re started over i mean it's it's a virtual machine i can spin up another one in no time um uh, yeah searching okay so the other thing i wanted to address was hardware acceleration because this isn't only a problem in um uh lmde but every time i've ever tried to install anything cinnamon in a uh, virtual machine i get a warning about hardware acceleration not working. Well, I fixed it, folks. And um, 
I linked to the website where a guy did a blog post and he explained exactly how to work this out. But um, I'll go ahead and uh, outline it real quick here, what he, what he had written in his blog post. Um, the open source stack for doing accelerated graphics invert manager or GNOME boxes. It's the exact same thing. It's all QEMU in the back end and, and libvert. Um, the, 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 the open source stack is called Spice. For a guest to use Spice, it needs the Spice-VD agent package to be installed. The guest OS needs this installed, not the host. Um, uh, after you install that, you can shut uh, shut the guest down and then go into the settings on uh, Vert Manager. The first thing you need to do is uh, change the video element from QXL to the Vert IO driver, and then click the box that says uh, 3D acceleration. Um, then you need to go to the uh, you need to save that. Next, go to the display option and change that from uh, open GL rendering. Change the listening type to none, meaning it's not using any TLS or anything like that. And then click the open GL checkbox. You got to do it in that order. And then save that page, reboot the system, and you will have hardware acceleration working in a virtual machine for sentiment. And I... And I have to imagine that that's probably the same. It might be the same with GNOME, although GNOME and Plasma, neither one of those has ever complained about hardware acceleration. But uh, I can't imagine either one of those would be any different. Um, the and Like I said before, the unfortunate thing about LMDE is that it lacks a couple of the tools that make the Mint experience a bit easier to get up and running with. It lacks the driver manager tool, which um, is basically for anybody that's not familiar. It's it's a tool built into Linux Mint that basically will uh, source your system and look for any hardware that does not have a driver installed and then either offer you an open source driver or a closed source alternative. This is what you would need to get like your NVIDIA hardware up and running or something like that. And it makes it real easy to just click and choose and then you're, do your restart and you're up and running. Well, LMD doesn't come with this. Uh, the other thing it doesn't have, um, is the ability to Linux Mint has got a tool built into the upgrade manager that allows you to upgrade to a newer kernel. Um, if you, for example, if you've got a piece of hardware that is newer, that has components that require firmware newer than that that's in the kernel that was installed by default. And this is actually something I dealt with when I built this system here. I actually had to update to the 5.13 kernel to get it working right. You don't have that. I mean, it, it, what you end up having to do is you got to do things the uh, Debian way. And so you have to go and you have to search the, the Debian knowledge base to find out how to uh, work the right incantations to get your hardware running and and likewise to get your uh, uh, to get your kernel updated because you can I, I mean you can get your kernel updated through apt no problem but you have to know what packages to go look for 
And if you've got DKMS running, you're going to need to know that you need the kernel headers for, for that particular kernel, you know, so it's not nearly as straightforward. But then again, I, I, I wouldn't recommend this to a beginner. If I, if I was, if I was trying to get somebody on Linux, I would recommend the, the regular versions of uh, Mint or like, like was said before, I would recommend Zorin or something like that. And then if they were comfortable with the terminal, they were comfortable with Debian way of doing things. And then I would recommend something like this. But I don't think it was meant for beginning users. And I think if this was, I, I honestly think if this was the most popular version of Linux Mint people were using, then, you know, maybe a little bit more effort would go into the tooling for things like that, you know. Because I, I the, technically, I don't see any reason why those, you couldn't make tools like that work. They just require the uh, connection to the a little bit of a different background framework. Um, but anyway, that was my, uh, I would say overall that my experience with it was positive. Um, and as long as I left it alone, I didn't do anything crazy with it. It, it performed as well as uh, flagship mint does. And you've got all the access to the flat packs and everything like that. So, um, I have to say, as far as I, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy it exists. I hope it continues to exist, and uh, I, I look forward to uh, playing around with it in the future. But that's about all I got. What do you got, Joe? Well, I didn't get to test much, but um, I was able to install LMD five and do some minor testing on the uh, XPS thirteen ninety three sixty, which, while it doesn't work on battery, does work if you have it hooked up to a power supply. <clears throat> It installed very easy. I didn't find much that was different from a normal Mint install. Nothing difficult or really worth talking about, which is really what you want from, you know, an initial install. Um, it looked a little different, but you know, nothing exceptional. And um, while well, I did notice that I could not update the kernel from the, uh, the updater, the, you know, that's not that big a deal unless... Well, there are manual ways to install it. So um, now I was able to install many of my normal use applications and also run them without any issues like VLC, X2Go, SSHFS, and Steam, all which installed through apt and they all just worked. No issues whatsoever. And then I also installed uh, SnapD for testing purposes, and it did work, and I didn't have to do any extra configuration. And it just the only thing I noticed is that after I installed the application, even after a restart, um, it was not showing up in my start menu. So, like, I installed Mumble, and then, you know, I hit the Windows key and type Mumble, and it's not there. And that's... That is a small thing. I know that there's ways to force it to be there, or I could just, you know, make my own icon for it and have it run the snap run mumble, but that's a bit more work. And so that's that's the only real negative I have. Um, all in all, I can see this as a really easy replacement for... Um, well, I have it listed as Ubuntu Mint in there, but um, no, I, I, for yes, as a replacement for the Ubuntu version of Linux Mint. So, yeah, I, I might give it a try on one of my main machines and see how well that goes. 
just for the fun of it. But um, most of my machines, I would have to manually force the uh, the drivers on. So there is a bit of extra work for that because, you know, the NVIDIA drivers on my laptop inside would be the, the first issue there. And I know you said that the um, the driver installer is not there, but that is one thing I did not check on, did not think to look for. Blue. Well, I did install NVIDIA drivers on my machine since it has an NVIDIA card on it, and it wasn't a problem. You just had to go into terminal and use ah. apt. And Bullseye also doesn't have the latest, latest uh, NVIDIA drivers. So if it's something uh, to keep in mind if, if if it's an issue for someone. I think it has the 460 or 470 drivers. I'm not sure if there's a way... To, I got the 470, I'm, yes. I'm not sure if there's a way to get the, fi- the 510 drivers on the... LMD E5, or even Debian, Bullseye. Well, my machine ran well on the 470 driver, uh, but then my machine is old enough that it's not supposed to run on the 470 driver, so I don't need anything newer. And you're you're better off anyway, because the newer drivers, you know, they're built against, they're built to work with newer kernels. You know, the NVIDIA story, I don't know if that's ever going to get any better. Better off just not buying well, video it's, hardware. It's I guess better than it was ten years ago. That's for sure. Yeah, that's quite saying quite a lot. <laughs> but anyway, well, though, so that's uh, that's our story with LMD. I, I, it seems like it seems like uh, our experiences, for the most part, were positive and less less than overwhelming. Which I suppose that's what you want in. Uh, in a distribution like like Mint, you want things to just start up and we're, work. You know? We're not running Arch here. We want it to just work. Correct. So, vibrations from the ether. No vibrations, yeah. folks. You need to send us some vibrations. Well, I think we need to get more shows out before that will happen. Got to get some more shows yeah. out. Um, in the check this out section, um, the only thing I, I put in here, the video ninja, I put a, I put a link in there just because I'm so excited about this thing. I want everybody to just, I want you to think about this before you go to bed tonight. Video ninja. I want you to bring it up and look at it. Uh, it's really cool. I linked to the website here and it really, it, it is literally a website. This thing will run from the browser on your phone. We did our last show. Uh, Steve used connected to this through Firefox on his phone and filmed the show, and it was brilliant. So um, I'm I'm excited about it. I want everybody to go check it out. So vdo.ninja for anybody that's interested. Norbert, what do you got? First, I want to make sure that I haven't brought this already. For check this out. It's metadata cleaner, which is a GNOME Circle app. So I haven't brought this already, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. So this is Metadata Cleaner, which is a GNOME Circle app. It's available on FlatHub. And uh, it it wasn't really particularly useful for anything I wanted to do, but I still found it interesting enough to check out. And I just found it fascinating just how many tags and how much metadata is in is in a file. For example, I looked at a Photoshop file, a PNG image that I exported from Photoshop, and it had like dozens of uh, metadata. And you can just, if you for some reason wanted to clean a file of all metadata, you can just do that with one click. 
with this app, and you can even uh, list all the metadata that it, that it can find that is in that file. It's really handy. It's really minimalistic, gets to the point, and uh, it's pretty much the best way, most straightforward way of uh, cleaning metadata from files that I've seen so far. I think I've seen different uh, methods for uh, images and video and audio files uh, separately, but and even some CLI implementations. But this is just a really nice uh, GUI app. It also uh, is the app that I mentioned uh, previously uh, that uses uh, Libert Beta, but has this really nice purple uh, colored header bar, uh, which I really like. Uh, which I'd really like to see more in the future. Uh, it would give Libert Beta absolutely a bit of personality. So, and I, on, on that note, I really, uh, encourage people to look at the GNOME Circle apps as a whole as well, because there are some really nice gems in there. Uh, you can, I think you can look them up on, wait a second. Yeah, circle.gnome.org. It's interesting. Yeah, you go to gnomecircle.org and it's apparently circle. they're trying to sell this Circle.gnome.org. Yeah. Ah, yeah, circle.gnome.org. Applications and libraries extending the GNOME ecosystem. Hmm. So it's a way. Now is this, so it's a way uh, for developers to get into the GNOME ecosystem without having to be part of the core GNOME uh, package collection. So I think it, it oh. gives them more freedom and less uh, restrictions as far as developing apps, but they can still get uh, featured by the GNOME on the GNOME website. That's an interesting, rather cool. Approach and uh, so basically third-party apps that are endorsed by GNOME. I think the yeah. extension manager is also somewhere in this group of not being official but still being endorsed by GNOME. Live stream information is at mintcast.org forward slash live stream. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us an email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post on the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. Moving on to our wrap-up. Joe, how can we get a hold of you? Well, if you like the sound of my voice, you can catch me at tllts.org. That's the Linux Link Tech Show. Or the linuxlugcast.com. But uh, I, I did miss Friday's show. I was busy doing campaign stuff. Uh, you can find me on MeWe. You can send me an email, jb at mincast.org, or you can buy me a copy by using the link in the show notes. Boss? You can hear me every week on the Full Circle Weekly News. Um, I'm on Distro Hopper's Digest, which should be recording in a couple of weeks. Um, you can email me at bardmoss at pm.me and my contact info is available on itsmoss.com. Bill? Well, for the time being, you can email me at bill at mintcast.org. I'm bill underscore h on discord at wchauser3 on twitter at w, well, wchauser3 on facebook also. And check out my new podcast, 3ftpodcast.org. How about you, Norbert? I just muted while I wanted to unmute. You can send me an email at norbert at mincast.org. And Nishant couldn't make it today, but you can send him an email at nishant at mincast.org. He's Raikon Ghost on Instagram, Raikon Ghost at GitHub, on GitHub, Ghost.Raikon on Discord, and Maverick00783 on Steam. 
I I know I know that um, it's spelled Rikon, but he actually says it Recon. Okay. Hmm. Before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website, Hobstar for our logo, Annette RD for the Aminated Discord logo, and Londoner for our time sync. Norbert and Tony Hughes for audio editing of the show, Bitemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org, Archive.org for hosting our audio files, and the Linux Meet development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mintcast.